You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. This is the Clinician Roundtable. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, your host. I'm very pleased to welcome in Dr. Robert Kushner, Professor of Internal Medicine, Director of the Wellness Institute at Northwestern University Medical School in Chicago, Illinois, and also nationally known and respected authority on weight and health. Dr. Kushner, what about some of these commercial diet plans? I think we all need to realize that we are not dietitians. Many of us are not trained in, in diet and nutrition, don't hold a nutritional degree. I think we can be very important in giving our patients key tips and messages on the style they're eating and pointing them in the right direction. But many of our patients need more help, and that's where the diet plans uh, come in. Working side-by-side with a commercial program can be very helpful, such as Weight Watchers, which focuses on uh, calories as points and fat and fiber. I would also guide our patients to Internet self-help programs, such as Diet.com or eDiet. That can be very, very useful. Not only are they many of them standalone weight loss programs, but many of them offer tracking tools to track their diet, physical activity, and calorie counts. And we also want to talk about referring to registered dietitians. Those are really the experts who are in the trenches when it comes to diet plans and giving substitutions. And the link up with a dietitian that shares your same philosophy as you do is extremely important. And the last thing I want to mention is there's always obesity specialists, such as myself, that are trained in this area and can be an excellent resource as a consultation to help you and your patient. Are there straightforward ways that a practitioner can assess the safety and the health of particular diet plans if a patient comes in with, uh, I want to try this or try that, or is that best referred to someone such as yourself? I think that's an excellent question, Dr. Friedman. I think the physician should be involved as a partner or a team player with their patient regarding a weight loss program. It should never be something where you tell a patient, you go lose weight, you take care of it on your own. You really want to be involved. Now, getting that kind of information may be more difficult than you think, but there are some key questions you can ask the patient or go or log on and, and try to inquire for yourself, and that is, does the program make sense? Do they provide a structured plan regarding behavior? Does the diet make sense? Is it calorie controlled? Do they involve products or is it, or is the patient need to buy certain supplements that may not quite make sense? Does the plan offer professional support uh, through registered dietitians or exercise specialists? What's the cost of it uh, and how long does it run? So if you can answer and get answer those types of questions, and it seems reasonable to you, I think the patient's going to be okay. Very good. That's good advice to look for those red flags, ask those questions. We've got some direction now with with diet. Obviously, the other side of things is burning those calories. Uh, Where do we go with exercise? How important is that in controlling weight? Well, it's it's extremely important, as as you can guess. Although I will tell you that all of the studies show that diet is the most important component when it comes to weight loss whereas exercise and physical activity seems to be the most important component in keeping the weight off. So I will often start working with patients on diet alone so they can see success, develop confidence, and that then sustains motivation, and then shift them into exercise and physical activity, particularly if that's not what their interest is. Now, when it comes to to targeting treatment recommendations, I look for patterns again, Dr. Friedman, and the types of patterns that people typically present in when it comes to exercise include the hate-to-move struggler, that's someone who is never an athlete, doesn't want to exercise, and doesn't want to hear the E-word. That requires a completely different strategy. 
Then you have the individual who likes exercise but doesn't have time, so they have time restraints. So for that person, you're going to have to help them delegate responsibility and, do, and look at it more like a business model. Fourth common pattern would be the aches and pains individual, someone who has arthritis or has serious medical concerns that you're going to want to medically clear that individual for exercise or at least get them into a program that's not going to hurt them. And the last one would be a self-conscious hider, and that is someone who, particularly a woman, uh, more often than a man in my own experience, that is really self-conscious about their body because of their body shape and body weight issues, and they're going to be hesitant to go ahead in front of others to exercise. So knowing what the exercise personality of your patient is is going to help you target those recommendations. So just like the diet style, you look for the exercise style, and I can certainly see those four types in my practice uh, almost every day. Yeah, you know, and by knowing those, Dr. Friedman, right up front, the patient is not going to feel that they're being lectured to or told the same information over and over again. What the patient is going to hear is a doctor who is listening to them and really understands what it is that they uh, need to do. When we go on to give specific advice, I've heard you talk about the FIT principles. FIT principles are very important to it. It's an acronym, F-I-T-T-E, or FIT, and it's something really that all physicians need to be familiar with and, and, have, and be comfortable in order to have a conversation with their patients. So in brief, F stands for frequency, and that is when, when you're giving an exercise prescription, you're going to use the FIT principle. So F stands for frequency, and that is how often is an individual going to exercise. I stands for intensity, so that is how intense is the exercise going to be. And there I often use what's called a talk test. What the talk test is, is, is if you can exercise at a point where you have to take breaths in between your words or phrases of words, that means you are working at an intensity that is probably aerobically fit for you, or we call moderately vigorous. If you could have a conversation like I'm having now, and I don't have to take a breath in between my words, then you're not working hard enough. So that's F and I. T on the FIT principle is time, so that's duration, how long do you want to exercise for. The other T in FIT is type, so that's what type of exercise, resistance, aerobic, treadmill, elliptical, balance ball, and so forth. And the E in the FIT principle is probably the most important one, and that stands for enjoyment, because if you will never get a patient to undertake a prolonged and sustained exercise program, particularly if someone's a hate-to-move struggler, if they don't enjoy it. So make sure from the very beginning they enjoy what they're doing. And I often will guide people to dancing or, or take tennis lessons or rollerblading or biking just or, or walking with their dog, but something that they're going to enjoy doing. And are there certain minimums? I, I can see certain patients who just uh, either they don't have the time as you've uh, identified that pattern or they hate to exercise. What is the minimum we should be requesting of them when we start? Okay, that's a great question. It, it probably the most important message you get across the, from the, to the patient is you're, you're thinking in terms of physical activity, not necessarily exercise right away, particularly for the hate-to-move struggler. You're thinking in terms of physical activity, and I want them moving their body for hopefully at least 30 minutes a day. It could be divided into 10, 10, and 10 minutes, or 15 minutes and 15 minutes, or all 30 at the same time but their body moving in a rapid pace for at least 30 minutes a day. And a good analogy or demonstration, verbal demonstration for them, is I want to see you moving at a, at a pace where if I was looking at you, I would be saying you're trying to catch a bus that's just about ready to pull away. And everyone can kind of have that image in their mind of how quickly you have to be walking to catch a bus. That's how I want them walking at least 30 minutes a day. 
We often use pedometers too, Dr. Friedman, which is for self-monitoring and for motivation to track how many steps they take each day. And they can use that as an incentive to add more steps every day by looking at their pedometer. So by that way, they're sneaking in physical activity without actually having to exercise if, if that's something that they don't want to do. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Lee Friedman, and we are talking with Dr. Robert Kushner about helping our patients with weight management. Dr. Kushner, if someone is exercising at a certain level, do we need to have them ratchet it up a level or two to affect a weight loss? There's one thing about weight control that people, patients often don't understand, and that is you have to keep pushing the envelope. If you don't keep pushing the envelope, and what I mean by that, of course, is by using the FIT principle, by either doing it more intensely or more time or, or increasing the frequency, if you don't keep ratcheting it up, your weight is likely to stabilize. So wherever you are at, you're going to want to continue to move forward. That's how you develop aerobic fitness, and that's how you develop cardiovascular fitness and strengthen your muscles. Do you probably see a number of patients who are not in optimum shape? Are you doing a lot of stress testing before this, or is this something that can be safely done in most patients limited by symptoms? Most of it could be done by limiting by symptoms. Now, you're going to have your high-risk individual that you want to stress test, multiple risk factors, of course, having symptoms suggestive of angina or other equivalents that you're going to want to stress test. But for the vast majority of individuals who want to lose weight, you can embark upon a moderately vigorous walking program or walking on a treadmill or using a low-impact elliptical machine without a stress test. Of course, use common sense. If you're concerned the patient has underlying uh, scheme your coronary disease, then go ahead and do the uh, stress test. And for the very motivated patient, they have their pulse monitor on and all. Do you, we still use that old formula, 70 to 80% of 220 minus their age for a pulse? I think that's a good rule of thumb because that gets you into a target heart rate for moderately vigorous aerobic activity. You know, it generally comes out to you want someone exercising roughly between, oh, 65% and 85% of maximum heart rate. I think for rule of thumb, it's very reasonable. And the other thing I use, which I mentioned earlier in the program, is the talk test. And that way, one can monitor their own breathing and heart rate by function, which is can they breathe and talk at the same time. Is there a difference in terms of pulse and intensity for fat burning versus muscle building, or is that a myth? Most of it's a myth. I mean, every time you move your body around, you are going to be burning calories, and weight loss is all about calories. So if your goal is weight loss, you want to get your body in motion, burning calories as long as you can. If you want to develop cardiovascular fitness, then you have to make sure that you're in that intensity range of 65 to 85% of maximum heart rate in order to build endurance. Any other tips you have for us in dealing with our patients and, and exercise? Getting them to do it and sustaining it is probably the most difficult thing to do. And you want to reward them for everything that they do. And that goes with diet as well. Spend your time rewarding them and celebrating their successes as small as they are in order to have them continue to move forward. Set your goals so that they're achievable, so that sub-goals turn into big goals, small steps turn into big steps. And be very positive and uh, encouraging when they attain those goals. Absolutely. They're, they're looking for you for the guidance. And you know what? Patients want to please their doctor. I mean, we, we don't teach that, you know, the, the doctor on the, on the pedestal anymore like the old days. But patients really do want to please their doctor. And you are in a very unique role to give guidance and to give reward. 
And finally, with regard to diet and exercise and, and assessment of patients, how soon should I have that patient come back to weigh again to talk about these issues? Frequency of visits is very important early on in any weight control program. And the more often the patient has an opportunity to come in, be weighed, receive accountability for what they're doing, the more successful they will be early on. Now, today's, uh, you know, healthcare environment, it's very difficult to have a patient come in often to see the physician. And I think that's where the team approach comes in. If a patient can see the office nurse or a nurse practitioner or someone else in the office who's trained in order to take a blood pressure and look at a food diary with the patient, that can be very useful. Well, I think for me, at least, these have been very helpful tips. And we've been talking with Dr. Robert Kushner about diet and exercise. This is Dr. Lee Friedman. You've been listening to the Clinician Roundtable on ReachMD XM 233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.